What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? What's up? This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast again. I'm still in the great state of Arkansas. I love this place. A lot of people call it Arkansas, but it's really Arkansas. It's like somebody coming to my home state, which is Nevada, and saying, y'all out there from Nevada? Where you live? Las Vegas? Like, Las Vegas is the only freaking place in the state. No, man, we live in the Reno Tahoe area, up in the mountains, the high desert. This is going to be a cool podcast. We're going to go over some stuff about duck calling, mainly mallard duck calling, mainly chasing the wily mallard duck, the wild mallard duck, and how we emulate the sounds and the vocabulary and the jargon of the mallard duck. And that's how we're going to start off today's podcast is with that word that's in our vocabulary, jargon, which actually means a specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in my new partner in a duck call company out of Arkansas, Searcy, Arkansas, Augusta, Arkansas area, Chris Cifrio, who you guys have heard him here on This Life Ain't For Everybody before, because he's also the national marketing and sales manager for Boss Drives in Louisiana. Chris makes his home in Arkansas with his wife, Ashley, and their three beautiful kids, and he makes a hell of a duck call. We're going to get into the history of jargon, the designs of jargon, why they're different, the theme of the company, where we want to take the company, what calls and different species are going to be added to the line of calls, whether it's turkey or deer or predator or Canada goose, speckle belly goose, whatever it is. Um, we're going to talk about that. So, Chris, here we are again, and we're going to talk about duck calls tonight and how important they are to the success and the morale, the overall morale of a duck hunter psyche. How are you, buddy? Thanks, Chad, man. I'm glad to be here. And I'm excited about where the company's going and already has been. Excited to see, you know, what new things and, and, and different tone boards and stuff that we're fixing to bring to the market. So I'm just glad to be here. When you, when we first, you know, started talking about the, um, the idea of launching a new duck call brand, a new game call brand, I want to start off with with the name and how significant it is. Um, when I first said jargon, did you have a good grasp of the word? Did you know what the the definition of jargon was? J A R G O N. What did it mean to you, Chris, when you first heard it roll off my tongue? It's like, hey man, you know, I want to I want to name the call company Jargon. Well, the first thing that came off my head was, man, that's a cool name, just because it popped. But what also went off my head is is language language is what went off my head and that's what we're speaking is language in the woods in the field marsh wherever we might duck, might duck hunt at so that's kind of what went off my head is is just you know in a whole is language yeah and i think when you talk about language you there's other call companies that have heard that before or said that before use it will primos and his brother jimmy with primos used it for years speak the language and it makes sense it's an it's an awesome concept of you know it's kind of like esl in high school or younger than high school of english as a second language from a kid coming from mexico or somewhere out of the country and learns how to speak language as his second language and we want to learn how to speak duck as our second language or a turkey hunter wants to learn how to speak turkey and predators and and canada geese whatever animal you're chasing you want to be proficient my whole ideology behind it is you want to get those animals as close as you possibly can and trick them to where when you pull that trigger or pull back that bow and release that arrow or squeeze the trigger on a shotgun or rifle whatever it is you dispatch them and kill them instantly no cripples no suffering none of that we know that cripples are going to happen i get it and there's other ethical parts like a duck dog that goes into that and getting cripples as quickly as you can and dispatching them dispatching that cripple as quick as you can but if the closer you get them the easier the shot the more confidence in that shot you have and the chances of it dying quickly are a lot better in my opinion if that bird is closer so getting mallard ducks tight to the decoy spread is our goal and i think looking like ducks sounding like ducks moving like ducks as a human being hiding and having your concealment be dead on we want to get those ducks close and kill them fast i want no suffering i have too much respect and like we've talked about before too much compassion for the animals that we pursue and chase and harvest and butcher and process and eat as a hunter gatherer conservationist so with that being said you know jargon is uh, it came to me in college back in back in i'm not even going to say when i was in college chris it was way after you though and um one of my professors says, you baseball players out there just always talking your jargon. I'm like, jargon. So I looked it up and I'm like, man, that's true. 
Baseball players do. I got it. I got it. Turn two, turn two, throw them out, throw them out. Hey, watch the inside pitch. All that stuff doesn't mean anything to tennis. That doesn't mean anything to a heart surgeon. That doesn't mean anything to a pilot, but a pilot, when he's on the microphone talking to air traffic control or his co-pilot, the captain's talking to the co-pilot, they're saying, I've been in a cockpit and been listening to him. And you're like, what in the freak are they talking about? They're talking their own jargon. Air traffic control understands it. The pilots understand it. Me sitting there, I'm going, I don't understand this. I've never been educated or trained as a pilot or an air traffic control operator. You think about any profession in the world, any community, we all have our own jargon. Skiers talk it, ball players talk it, ping pong players talk it, surgeons, military, pilots, teachers, you name it, we speak jargon. So as duck hunters, we speak a different kind of jargon that's different from a turkey hunter or a deer hunter. We don't say, hey, man, let's go get in our tree stand. We say, let's get in our duck blind. We don't say, hey, man, let's grab our bow. We say, hey, grab a shotgun. We, we don't say things like... Listen for the leaves. We say stuff like, here they come, get down, get ready. Uh, as a matter of fact, deer hunters don't say much at all because you can't. You can't really right. talk during a deer hunt or a turkey hunt for that fact, for that matter. And as duck hunters, we can mess around and rib each other and, and talk. And we're always saying stuff like, pull the jerk string. Here they come, guys, get down, cover up. Hey, one o'clock, get ready, get ready, get ready, get them, get them. And like, get them could be like, hey, get the kid, he's falling. But to a duck hunter, it means like, stand up, put the safety off, press the safety button off and, and aim the gun and squeeze it. That's what get them means to a duck hunter. Send the dog, mark, you know, mark, stay steady, you know, all that back over all that stuff is jargon. So we speak jargon to each other. We speak jargon to our dogs and then we speak jargon to the wild animal that we're trying to pursue hit him with it you know whether it's a greeter feed chug fat feed chatter won't some in highball and that that's the jargon that we have as duck hunters to each other a duck isn't probably saying i'm going to say a greeter right now he's probably not saying i'm going to do a feed chuckle right now in his mind it's the jargon that we created so when i'm teaching you a duck call or you're teaching me or we're in the woods or in the blind and we're saying hey hit him with a feed chuckle or a feed chatter we know what that means as humans a duck don't know that a duck might be using it as a separator call he might she, she and him might be he'll, he'll be grunt whistling bzz, bzz, and she'll be another one comes in and then they you know there's a double cut and all that's human jargon that we associate with duck calling so there's that that goes into the first part of jargon is the jargon we speak to each other amongst each other as duck hunters then you speak it to your dog which is a completely different thing than you speak to me when you want me to stay you don't go chad stay when you want me to go get you a beer out of the refrigerator you don't go mark chad and send me to the refrigerator. But with Lexi, you couldn't, but <laughs> we probably could. With Lexi, if I had some more of your wife's gumbo. With Lexi, you say that stuff. So now you're speaking jargon to the dog. Right. And then you get the call in your hand, and you paint a picture and speak jargon through the vocabulary that you're using to speak to that duck. You call it a greeter. That is can be like, hey, we're here, we're present, we're down here, it's good, the food's good, come join the party, whatever it is. Or you stand on that first note, and that might be a greeter being like, get your ass back or here. Or a like pleading a come, call. Or a know? pleading call. Like, come on, man, the water's yeah. fun, jump in. It's, you know, that drunk guy at a high school party, come on, man, get in, it's so good. And he's standing on that first note, come on. So jargon to me is significant. In everyday life, because communication is so freaking important. If you don't know how to communicate, you're smoked in this life. No doubt. Okay, you got to be. Especially able, nowadays. Yeah, you got to be. And with, with the way it's going away, with people are forgetting how to talk and, and listen and negotiate and figure out people and read people because everything's done through instant messaging and social media and text messaging. And it's okay and just checking to, in, like and, your brother said the other day. Yeah, just like you're checking in. Like, you, I don't, man, when my dad would check in with me, it'd be a 20 minute phone conversation. Right. And looking back on it, I wish I'd have had more of them and, and, and spent more time on the phone. You know, now he's gone. You're like, man, I wish we'd had that. With my mom, it's it's not, it's easy just to pick up the phone and write a text. I love you, but it means more to her and me to pick up the phone and actually talk. And, and it's, we're getting away from that. So jargon, the whole theme of the the company and the brand is let's get back to talking, man. Let's keep talking. 
Let's communicate. Let's be transparent. Let's read each other. Let's figure out each other. Let's, let's uh, negotiate. Let's come up with a deal. Let's, let's have a goal. Let's set some short-term goals and long-term goals and let's kick some ass together. Let's, let's have a jargon. And in the duck hunting community, you go into Max and Stuttgart and say, hey, man, I need a jerk rig. The, the person at customer service or the register isn't going to be like, what'd you call me? Yeah. They're going to know what a jerk rig is. That's right. a jerk string and a jerk rig, what we use. We're not calling you a jerk, but in some places that they won't even know what the hell a jerk rig is. Okay? So the secret is probably becoming well-versed in a lot of different jargons. Maybe that's what you got to do to be successful. If you're going to be a salesman or whatever, you can become well-versed in a lot of different areas. You can have conversation on a lot of different things. Not that you're trying to blow smoke or lie or whatever, but you can read, you can study up. You can, I know a lot about skateboarding. I suck at it, but I know quite a bit about the actual art of skateboarding and the pros and the board manufacturers and different skate parks and, and pools and, and swimming pools and stuff that people skate and the brands and all that around the country. I just had a huge passion for it. So I can speak it. I could probably speak their jargon. How high Ollie? Can you do a McTwist? What, you know, how, what, what's the, what's the invert on your, on your half pipe and, and, and what's the vert, 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 you know, as far as the up and down, vertical. the vertical on the very top of it underneath the coping and the lip. And how would you, do you use rail slides on your board and, and what kind of trucks do you have? Were they speaking independent? a different language than I know right yeah, now? Yeah, right now you don't know all that jargon. So jargon's important in duck hunting because when you get to duck camp and somebody's like, Hey man, did you, did you bring the blocks? And you're like, uh, no, well, what blocks like building blocks? No decoys. Like that's another word for decoys or, you know, like did, did you bring, did you bring your whistle? Did you bring your call? Did you bring your apparatus? There's a lot of words that are used for that or your rope or your lanyard or the chain or your, or your, or your strap. Did you guys bring straps? Well, what does that mean? We need to tie down a four wheeler. Right. No, we need to hang ducks from a tree off of, did you get, you got your hook with you? You got your tree hook. What's a tree hook? Well, you know, you put it into the tree to, to hold well, your Eric bag must have though. forgot about the strap deal because uh, I think he left another morning. Like, every, all three morning. <laughs> all three. It's like he doesn't understand jargon. Hey, uh, Eric, will you grab the straps? <laughs> He's out there with the, the cinching down the four-wheeler at midnight. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with Eric. He's awesome. No, but anyway, that, that's where we were going with jargon. And when people see it, I want people to understand that it's significant. Because it's on every different level. And you take it even step further now on the teaching and the instructional part of duck calling. Now you have what Led Zeppelin talked about with the communication breakdown. Now we're breaking down. I was listening to a Guns N' Roses song today with Eric called Breakdown. I was listening to the lyrics of it and I'm like, everything was roses when we held on to our guns. I was just like, this is so clever and so witty and the jargon in it is so awesome about life and they're breaking it down. And then I'm like communication breakdown. And it's probably been said before. I've never heard anybody say it, but when you break down instruction or you try to teach somebody, you're breaking down how to talk like a duck and how to call ducks. We don't know what we're saying to ducks. Really? We, it's never been proven that a comeback call is really a comeback call. Right. Never has. So we're going off of what we've come up with in our minds. It's not scientifically proven that what we're saying to them is actually what we think in our minds, what we're saying. It might mean something totally different. We just know that when you stand on the first note and put emphasis on it and plead to it, a lot of times you can get them to turn and come back and, and show that emotion and, and get a reaction out of them. Sometimes when they're over the top, you go, 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 go. yesterday in the woods, man, they're on top. Go, go, go. You just seen them bow up and it's almost like they stop in midair hunting that duck up in the woods. Learned a lot of stuff in the woods yesterday. It really was irritating. And Joel's so realistic on those calls. The further he got away from us, the more the ducks would start working that way. Right. And then we'd have to try to call and bring them. You know what I mean? It's like they're hunting those ducks up in the woods this time of year. So that's the gist of the brand is a specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. And you should take pride in your jargon. I want to know my jargon. If I go into a music store and I'm looking for vinyl records, I want to be able to talk, speak the language. When I start talking about classic rock or classic hip hop, I want to know what's going on. If I go into a music studio, I don't want to be just like, like I'm well, in a plus, museum. You can have a lot more in your arsenal to throw at them. Like yesterday we were about there and, I threw out a boss hen, real hard, pleading boss hen, and we saw them turn on a dime. They come back, and you looked over at me and said, man, they're reacting on that call, you know? So, again, we think it's a boss hen, hey, on the water. She's old, you know, you know, old, old, old hen that, you know, is basically the boss of the group, and you throw it out there and say, hey, come on down here. Here's a party. So 
like you said, and you, you know, getting away from that, but you know, getting on, uh, you know, kind of another subject, but that you started on, you kind of hit on, you know, people are getting away from from talking and and communicating and so forth, and I'm excited to bring all that back. I really am because you know I've met a lot of my friends, close friends nowadays that you know I hunt with day in and day out by just being at the boat ramp, running up to them, hey man, did y'all kill any birds? Did y'all y'all shoot anything so forth and i think nowadays a lot of kids are getting away from that they're just basically going on on online on facebook or instagram or whatnot they'll post their pictures and that's kind of where they communicate we need to get back to how we how we were raised and 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 how we were brought up in this sport in my opinion yeah and i think that communication is key in every part of life i mean if you can't communicate with let's say your spouse that's the first step it's not gonna of last long, that's failure in a relationship, right? If you can't communicate with your dog and train your dog the right way, that dog's going to raise havoc and be the most unenjoyable piece of work to be around. I've heard you say it. I've heard tons of people say it. nobody wants a dog that cries and whimpers and doesn't mind and thinks he has the run of the house and can lay anywhere and shed his hair anywhere and make everything filthy and no, don't know where to piss or whatever it is. Or is out in a hole and you call it back and it keeps on going. And yeah. they got a big old group of birds working. And All you're that. like, man, get your dog back. And not in. just a hunt dog. I'm just talking about the regular obedience of a pet. Right. Nobody wants that. It's all about communication. You want to learn how to be successful in life. It's about communicating with people, reading people, being honest, looking them in the eye and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then go do it and follow through. That's the secret of life is communication. It's and, and, and there's other secrets. There's other big parts of it. But if you can't communicate and you don't take pride in your jargon or your communication or your vocabulary and you can't think two or three steps ahead and think on your feet about what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve, then really you're just going through the motions, in my opinion. I think that lang language and dictation and uh, jargon and vocabulary and everything that goes into that, there's so much that can come out of a conversation instead of texting. If you text me and say, Yo, man, you're an idiot. Like you might be kidding with me. You might be right. thinking like you, you don't might, know expression. Yeah. You, I, you might be saying you're a freaking idiot, man. Like pissed at me, but I'm like thinking it's a joke or you're not mad at me, but you call me. So I think you're mad at me. I can't read what you're saying unless I know a little background of what we're getting into on the text. But on a conversation, you could pick up the phone and go, Chad, you're a freaking idiot. Like, and start laughing and I'll know it's like a joke. Like maybe I did something to, to, you know, something of yours or, a, uh, you know, well, I, I got to laugh out loud. Chad. Yeah. Or, or you got to put LOL on there. Right. But anyway, that's what I'm saying is that the theme of the, the whole theme of the brand and the entire image that I wanted to come up with when you let me name the company jargon was this is on so many different level, levels a complexity of vocabulary and a specialized vocabulary and vocabulary, especially the English language. It's tough. It's hard language to learn very hard and mastering. It should be a goal of everybody in this country, even other countries. If you're coming here, it should be a goal to master this language and it's hard to master. I mean, there's so many words that have double meanings and different ways of saying things. And could you imagine coming from Italy or somewhere and learning that? It's tough. We, I mean, when I learned Italian, it was hard. I still don't know it very well, but I learned a bunch of it. And it's a tough language to understand. So if you, if you think about the word jargon and you have the ability to break it down daily and during duck season and even in the off season... That's what this call brand means is the specialized vocabulary amongst duck hunters, duck hunters and their dog, duck hunters and the duck, all those different levels of jargon that specialized vocabulary. And to me, that's cool as hell. You can do it with turkeys. You can do it with predators. You can do it with deer. You can do it with geese. You can do it with whatever animal you're chasing. You go to deer camp, even though deer hunters are weird. I always say that they're weird in camp, boring, go to bed early, do their laundry every night, put their freaking clothes in these auctionated bags that hide scent. And then they spray stuff on all their trend. Then they trail them, trail each other with these tails that have scent control or lure on them and all the. And I'm just like, man, there's, this is weird. The deer hunters are just, and I'm saying that as a joke, but that, and then they get there and they just sit there on their iPhones all day and sit there and they don't communicate with anybody listening for the leaves to break or a branch to snap and wait for a big white tail buck deer munching on clover to come in. And anyway, I'm not, I'm just talking smack. I'm everybody's got their own jargon. The secret of it is knowing what jargon is and learning how to master it. And that's what, we're trying to do as hunters. We want to be proficient in everything we do. If I'm around the grill 
and we're talking grilling and, and butchering and processing, I want to know what the different cuts of meat are. In a duck, you got the tenderloin, you got the legs, you got the breast, you got back meat, you got, you know, you, there's different parts of the duck. You can, there, you, if you pluck it, there's a little bit of meat in other parts, but the main parts are the tenderloin and the breast of what we eat. We breast them out, you get the little tenderloin off the back that's up against the breastplate. Unbelievable appetizer. Unbelievable. But knowing all that and becoming well-versed in culinary stuff and knowing your way around a grill or a kitchen or, or whatever you're trying to, it's, you don't have to be an aficionado at it, but you can become proficient to where if, if people love coming to your place to eat because you take pride in it, you mastered it. And I can speak it too. I can talk about cooking. I'm not saying me specifically. I'm saying whoever it is, right. I mastered it. I can talk about it. And now I went in and I learned how to do it. And what, what else can you do to be a more complete freaking hunter gatherer we're living off the land so that's why jargon's so important because we are subsidizing hunting by getting protein for our friends and family and ourselves to be nutritionally taken care of with our diets what's better than that hippies just think it's cool now they invented it no they didn't freak are you kidding me hunter's been eating off the land forever well, we garden. So do we. I eat vegetables all the freaking time. But we go out and kill it. We go out and kill our animals and then we cook them and then we eat them down to the bone. Yeah, I know a lot of people say, you know, I can't believe you're going out there and shooting them poor little innocent animals. But I tell everybody that tells me that at least my animal, at least when I'm eating, had a chance to get away. You know, you have cows and don't get me wrong. I love beef. And I don't have anything wrong with slaughterhouses. No, I don't look down I don't on either. chicken farms. I don't. That I, I have ultimate respect for animals, but it, there's nobody in the world that's going to be able to sit down and persuade me not to eat a T-bone or a chicken mm, breast or a pig or, and as long as it's fed right and taken care of right and they don't make them suffer and they don't have unethical treatment of those animals, then I'm fine with it. But slaughterhouses, they're a necessity. We need them. That's how we kill our beef. That's how we take care of it. And you know, is it inhumane? I don't know. I don't know. You pull a carrot out of the ground. I mean, that had some life in it, right? You break all the roots. Is that, I don't know. I, mean, I don't you know. Can, is a carrot alive? Is it I mean, not? Is, is, it a tree, is a tree alive? Does it have a brain? I don't know. Does it? Why do people get so pissed off at the timber market then? I don't know. Because we're cutting down trees? Because why? Because it's ruining the landscape or because they're a living organism that we're killing? And we're killing the ecosystem by taking our trees down. It's the same thing. People say... Don't cut down the forest because you're ruining the ecosystem. Don't kill all the elk or the deer because you're going to ruin the ecosystem. If we don't kill them and keep them and manage the herd and the population of ducks and geese and wild animals. What do they do? They develop diseases. It spreads throughout them. It kills them all. So we're managing this. We manage our forests. We manage our 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 wood. We manage reforestation. All that. You know, stuff. Ducks Unlimited. We, Delta we, Waterfowl is taking care of the ducks and making sure that the breeding population up in the Dakotas and well in, the, in Canada is is you know on par so i don't understand what the problem is i don't either and that's what i'm saying is that you we could talk about it all day long about it but to become mastered around the grill and be able to cook a duck and prepare a duck to where people go you're lying that's beef tenderloin no it's not it's freaking mallard duck and i've had that happen a lot of times i've done that to people that ain't duck that's too good most people are like i don't eat duck it's like liver well, it's because you're Nimrod. You're not a Nimrod because Nimrod means great hunter. That's funny how the, the true definition of Nimrod is great hunter, but we call dip, dipshits Nimrods. Well, no, I want to be called a Nimrod. I mean, I have a company called Nimrod Holdings. I mean, I want to be called a Nimrod. That means great hunter. There's jargon. If you understand hunting and the hunting lingo, you know that Nimrod means it doesn't mean dipshit. I mean, it does. It might have a dual meaning, but my definition of it is a great hunter. So if you call me a Nimrod, but you hear people like if like if you mess up or something like, man, don't be a Nimrod. What do you mean? They're not, he's not hunting. How can he be a Nimrod if he doesn't even hunt? Or, you know, that's jargon. Everything in life has its jargon to it. So that's the brand. That's the theme. So the next thing you do is, you know, before you even get to the point of of saying, hey, we're going to market this call and we're going to sell these calls to the general public through direct sales and through a dealer base, you have to be able to come up with a way to um, get a call that's designed to the point to where you sound like a mallard duck. You have the ability to say, all right, put this call to your put this call to your mouth, put this call to your lips. And you have the ability to sound like a mallard duck. That's our goal is we want to sound just like a mallard duck. And a lot of calls sound like a mallard duck. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of brands out there. There's a lot of designs out there that have worked. 
right? So we're not reinventing the wheel here. No, we're no. not saying that. We have a duck call, three different models right now, the icebreaker, the small talk, and the loud mouth, and they're legit. They come off designs that you brought up in your head, your tone board, your designs, your exhaust, the length of your barrels, the length of your inserts, the, the new stopper that we injection molded. Our wedge is not cork. It's not rubber. It's an injection molded plastic. We're going to talk about all of that today. But as far as the design of the call goes... I'm looking at a jargon call right now. It's the small talk. And traditionally, duck calls have been what you call a J-frame. True J-frame. A true J-frame, meaning that in Arkansas, the J-frame is you have, it's shaped like a J, the insert. And within that J, you have a cork and you have a reed. So there's three pieces. And then you have the barrel, which is where you put your lips. That piece goes over the insert. The insert kind of screws in or, or friction holds into that. Okay, so it's four pieces. Our call is five pieces, right? Our call has the barrel, the insert, the tone board's a separate piece than the wedge, making it not a traditional J-frame. And then we have the Mylar reed. So our duck call is five pieces. Why? Well, the main reason why we chose to do it that way is just a little more consistency. I'm not saying that we're never going to bring a a cork J-frame to market because they're a great call. But... The reason why we wanted to do a wedge design is we can control every time the backstop where that wedge lands and where that reed lands. We can control it versus having to take it off a machine and actually broach it. Uh, You can still get accurate broaching it, but you're going to be doing that by hand. There are some ways to do it. Uh, You know, the cork notch by actually, you know, uh, cutting it out on the machine but you're going to have to modify it to do it that way. You're not going to be able to keep it a true square inside there. So we wanted to have the main, our main objective in starting this was to make sure that we had consistent parts, consistent parts to where every guy that was blowing, every person that picked up a duck call, you didn't go to a Max or a Rogers or come here or, or you know, get one in the mail and be like, man, I, I just really, I like the sound of that other one a little bit better. We wanted you to pick the color and not have to pick the actual call that sounded the best. So consistency in parts is what is the term? What is the definition or the jargon of what does broach mean? Is that a machinist term? What, where does broach come from? Is that a woodworking term? What is that word? What is that? I mean, you really got me on that as far as I've just heard it so much, you know, but broaching is taking a file and actually filing whenever you cut that tone board out on a, on a mill, it'll actually leave a round curvature in the back of the cork notch. You have to broach that out to square that up to where your reed will fall square in the back side. If you don't, your reed will actually catch that round and just roll on up, and you'll never get your reed to stop at the same spot for one thing, and it'll kind of distort the reed, I guess, and bend it and so forth. So that's that's why you have to broach it. When you do broach it, you have to have a stop on your broach when you're broaching it down. And by hand, you could be pushing a little bit too hard or, or a little lighter. And you bro- broach it a little bit deeper or a little lighter, and that's going to change the sound of that call. People don't realize that, but I'm I'm very anal when it comes to duck calls. And the little bit, I mean, you were telling me the other day, we're sitting there, and you said, man, you're standing on that tone board. You just you barely even scratched it across the surface. I said, Watch and see how much it changed the pitch of that call. And it was amazing. I mean, it is amazing. You know, so we wanted to be able to take it off the mill, take it off the lathe, put it on the mill, cut a tone board out, and it come out and stay very, very consistent. I mean, we're holding on our machines three-tenths of a thousandth of an inch, which is very accurate. I'm not saying anybody else ain't doing it, but we're trying to hold our tolerances. And, and that's what the whole goal was, to make sure that when somebody walked into that call, to that call counter, they picked out the color they wanted and not the call that sounded the best to them because they all going to be the same. So when you talk about the same down to a minute measurement, the same tolerances, what is the definition of the word tolerance when it comes to measuring something or when it comes to making a duck call? I don't kind of, I'm trying to understand where you're going with the, that. The word tolerance, you, you say the word tolerance, we're trying to hold our tolerances. What is a tolerance? 
a tolerance is basically holding a set of measurement to each part, making sure each part, If I, and I'm just going to throw a number out there, but just say my tone board's 0.385 or something as far as in the cork knot. So when I grab them calipers and I put it on that spot, it should hit that on the mark every single time. If you're not hitting it, well, then your cork wedge might be a little bit too tight. You know, when you do put the or molded wedge in there, it might be a little too tight. It might be a little bit too loose. Whenever you go to blow the call, you're going to see the effect of that. If you have a if you have a call that you put a wedge in and it's really tight going in, it's not going to have nearly the duck in it as it would if it was you know the right amount of pressure on that reed. A lot of people don't understand that, but you know which. You know, those are guys that, you know, I guess are not building calls and that's not their profession. They should, I don't, I don't, I don't expect them to understand that, but that's where our job comes in hand to make sure that, you know, we do put the right amount of pressure to where that reed is not, you know, the, the wedge is not too loose to where now you have a call that's sticking because it's slapping against that tone board. And every time it slaps, it's not having enough, I guess, leverage to pop it back up by that wedge. So it has to be consistent parts in order to have a call that's consistent in sound, reliability, making sure that it's not sticking in the field, so forth. That's why we put spit grooves in the call. Make sure whenever, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a call out there that's not gonna stick if you're drinking Dr. Pepper and you're spitting in that call. You're eventually gonna have that call locked down. You're putting sugar on the tone board. We put small, small grooves on the top of the tone board to make it to where you have less of a chance of it sticking. But when you fill those grooves in with sugar, it's a matter of time. And what I tell people, I say, hey, look, take that call back, put get some warm water, not soap or anything, get a warm water or a toothbrush and just wipe that. Cause you're not gonna, there's no way you're ever gonna, those, those uh, grooves in that call from the sandpaper is ever gonna go away. You're not gonna basically, you know, I guess polish it with a reed. Some people say you polish it with a reed, but you're not polishing it with a reed. It won't polish. You're still going to have those grooves in there. Could it be in 20 years from now that you might have to run it across sandpaper? Yeah, you might have to, you know, going in, in and out of heat. But, uh, you know, there's so many variables as far as on the sound that you have to have everything in line to make sure that there's consistent parts going out. I mean, you said it. You're like, man... You come in here one time for it and you're like, I can't believe how much goes into making a duck call. Like, I can't, you're, you're looking at the meal and you're like, how close to tolerance? You, it's got to be that close. Just, just call it good. Or, or, or that's got to be perfect. I'm like, no, it's got to be on the money every single time. And so, you know, we're anal about that here at Jordan Game Calls. We want to make sure that everybody is getting perfection. Yeah. And you, there's a lot that goes into making a duck call, that's for damn sure. And being around the call shop the last 10 days, I, I, I know that. And there's no argument there for me for <clears throat> for a lot of reasons. The, the work that goes into it, a lot of the work, though, was, you know, has been done as far as the design and the tolerances go. And now you, you're you cutting acrylic with the machining, the mills, the lathes, you know, all CNC, and you're using CAD software that your brother Darren's a pro, a pro at. I mean, he's as badass as it gets with CAD. And you're getting these measurements to where pretty much when that customer goes into the dealer and picks a duck call up, like you're saying, he'd rather pick his favorite color than the one that sounds right, right. to him because the sound is going to be so consistent because of the tolerances we're holding. You're saying pretty much that that call is so dead on um and easy to to figure out why is the tolerances and you take it a step further is when you're tuning the call in the shop it's the easiest thing i've seen the only thing that's different on some of these calls is the actual length of the read depending on what sound you want your duck to be so um when you go into a store are you saying that every read is going to be cut the same length but we will offer a read kit that might be a little shorter a little longer well if you want to get really scientific with it even the reads down to the i mean down to the t on the reads the read length yes makes a difference but if you cut a reed, say on, I think it's three by, two by five sheets is what we're cutting it out of, mylar. And even that cutting a reed on the end of the mylar sheet versus in the middle of the mylar sheet will make the action of the duck call different. 
Now, I can't control that because I'd have to cut each duck hall, each reed in the center of mylar. But if you took and said, hey, look, I, got, I just got a reed and I want this, because I get that all the time. I get it from guys that basically are like, man, this reed right here, I know it's the exact same length, but it is a tad bit different, just a tad bit different. You know, hey, look, here, here's, here's this reed, same length, boom. So if you really want to get scientific to it, you can say that, yeah, the mylar makes a difference and I have no control over that. But it's so minute. I mean, it's like so minute. It would have to be a seasoned caller that is just, you know, and sometimes when you put a reed in, you've got to blow for a while and you got to break that reed in, you know, pound on it a little bit. And then all of a sudden you'll see it just starting to open up. And when you, what is the, I'm trying to figure out like the way that I blow a call, I blow pretty heavy air. You know, I, I, I'm pretty hard on a call. I hammer on a call pretty good. Some guys, I hate to say the word blow. Like, I don't know if you really blow a duck call because you can't just pick one up and no, not. blow into it, right? Like it's more running it or operating it. It's more than blowing. You don't just blow into a saxophone and become Kenny G. So th- that that's another jargon. It's like, what are we really doing with the duck call? Are we, are we musicians with it? Because it is a wood, a wood reeded instrument or a, you know, a, a reeded instrument like a sax or a clarinet we're not really just blowing into it. So you don't just blow on Like as a matter of fact, if you blow into it, we're humming into it. Yeah. If you blow into a duck call, like you would blow out a birthday candle, you're not going to get the right sound out of it. Now, what'd you describe behind the tree the other day? You were saying you were telling somebody trying to teach somebody how to blow a duck call. And you said that I want you to act like I just punched you in the stomach and you're trying to, you're trying to talk to you. How do you describe it? That's how I've always talked about, like, if you if you punch somebody in their stomach and knocked all the air, all the wind out of them and you you've we've all been there, whether you've landed on a football in the field or took a punch from somebody or got surprised and you lose all your air and you're gasping for air and you kind of are in that panic mode. You hit me in my stomach. I wouldn't sit here and go, hey, Chris, how you doing? It's been a nice day. Just punch me in my stomach. Everything feels (laughs) fine. I'm great. You're talking more like it's almost like you're out of there and trying to whisper and plead. It's almost like. I can't, I, I need, I, and that's how a hen mallard talks. That's how a coyote howls. Real, real tight pressurized air. Well, your air is pressurized when you get it all knocked out because it's gone. So you're like gasping. You're like, uh, 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 and you get to that highest point of gasping, uh, and then try to talk. and that's how you get that hot pressurized air kind of like when you're a kid in your mom's car on a cold day and you want to steam up the windows to write your name on that window so really if you take a napkin and you put a napkin a lightest napkin on a table on a flat surface a real smooth kitchen table and you place a napkin right there and i say and i sing happy birthday to you and you're emulating that napkin as your candles and you get that big breath in at the end of the song and right when happy birthday to you and you blow them out, that napkin's going to take off and fly off the table like a paper airplane and just wave and like look like a maple leaf until it lands on the ground and gravity takes over. But if you hit that napkin with the air that you would put into a duck call or a game call, That napkin will barely move. It'll barely just shimmer on the edges and the corners. It'll barely move. If you blow on it, like if you blow into a duck call, that napkin's going to take place. If you put air into a duck call, real tight. That napkin's barely going to move if you hit it with a duck collar. So you still got the same pressure built up in your diaphragm, which is an important part of your body. When you're using a duck call and running into a duck call and operating a duck call, you got to use your diaphragm to pressurize that air down in your stomach. It's almost like those pumps when you're a kid, when you blow up your bike tire, you'd press the handle down and then out of that skinny black hose would come pressurized air that you would have latched onto your bike tire and tube and it would go into the tube and blow it back up. And then you get on your way of going and raising hell. It's the same thing. There's picture a mouth, a set of teeth on the top and the bottom of your diaphragm in your stomach. And when you bite down on that diaphragm, it's compressing it. 
and the air that comes up is it's not loose air like wah 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 wah. It's more like, hey man, how you doing? It's almost like singing. You know, I always talk about Axl Rose as being the best ever. There's a lot of great singers out there. They don't sing from their cheeks. They sing from their stomach. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no doubt. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. That's what I'm saying. You're taking, that's from your stomach. You sing from your guts with passion. <laughs> Duck talks from her guts with passion. Duck calls should be operated from your guts with passion. So you get hit in the gut, all the wind knocked out of you. <laughs> Please help, please, please help, please. And so that's the way I've always thought of it is that with that air, that's, that, that's some people blow hard. Some people have lighter or not blow hard, but they present their air lighter or heavier or in different amounts in different placements. So that's why that read length is different. Like some people are going to like a longer read. Some people like John David wants a longer read. He wants something that he can just stand on, lean on, lean on, you know, and just get that big boss, that big boss in and, and, and be, you know, hammering it all the time. So the read length is very important. The, um, the next part of the call, you know, we got our tone board on the inside that is a machine separate part. It's not just a J frame and we'll have pictures of this up at the, it's this life ain't for everybody website, but then we have a molded an injection molded stopper instead of a cork that when these, when these parts go into this machine, now I want to talk about the insert next. The insert is the piece where you have your hand on a duck call at the end of it. And inside that insert is where your, where your stopper, your tone board and your read go. There's only a certain way these can go in, a certain amount they can go down, which has always been tough in game calling of, uh, besides a J frame, which you're saying, you know, broaching it and the mistakes that can happen there. And a Canada goose call, you know, you put your guts in there the way they are. And sometimes you push them too yeah, far. Sometimes you don't have yep. them far. With this, you put your tone board in there and it goes to where it's going to go. It, it goes stops. where it's going to go. And then you put your read in, it stops. And then you put your wedge in. And then, of course, the biggest thing with that, I think, is, is that there's no telling how many people have broke off the top of a cork notch by putting not chewing you know whenever you put a cork wedge in you have to chew it a little bit get it kind of lubed up and then squeeze it in and what happen is if you didn't chew it the right amount of pressure because you got to have that pressure in order for that call not to be flat what we call being flat you have to have that right amount of pressure and if you don't you know so they've had people that have blo broke off that cork notch and once you do that, I mean, it's it's done deal. You got to throw it away and you got to get a new insert. So this design, just say, for instance, you're out in the field and and you just got a bunch, you just dropped it in the mud or whatever. You want to take it apart, clean it out. It's so easy to, you know, reassemble once you take it apart. You can do it in the dark, which is great. So And I, that's what my favorite part about the call. I was in the woods the other day. I wanted something was up with my call. Like I didn't know if I got something stuck in it. I saw you. Yeah. I just freaking twisted it out real quick. Boom. You got to be careful. You don't want to drop anything in the water, but you, I mean, I just had it right there, cleared it off a little bit, found what was up, put the, the tone board back in, put the reed on and went down and you got to make sure your reads in the right direction. Yeah. To do bend, that, you, the bend's you put gotta it, be up. the bends up, you put it in between your index finger and your thumb and you just push down on a little bit and you'll see which way the bend is out. So you put the, the side that, that, you know the uh, let's shape it like a uh how like a cereal bowl the bottom of the bowl goes down in the tro top the 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 sound trough right the top of the bowl the open part is what's up so when you bend the reed you put the bended side down right yeah the bended yeah the band the the band right there is goes down if it's in the shape of a horseshoe then it flattens out Right. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if I'm saying that right. I know I've had a hard time kind of figuring out when when I first started learning duck calls. You know, I actually had to get a visual on it, and we might put a visual up. We're going to put a visual to see. up. But that's what I'm saying is, then you got your read in there that's the right way. You know, we'll look at our videos to find the right way, but you'll be able to tell when you put that pressure with your index finger and your thumb, and then you put your wedge in there, your stopper, and now it's done. You put it back into your barrel, and you're ready to go hunting. Are ready to get on the stage and compete and the 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 ease of it is dead on so that being said now you have the actual machine pieces of the insert and the barrel 
And where do you get your measurements here, your tolerances? Is that just through trial and error? Trial and error. And how you kind of, how this kind of floats out and expands out in like a bell shape. It's skinnier in the middle. That kind of lets the air build up and then open up right before it releases out of the exhaust. The end of the insert is called the exhaust, right? Right. So you so, got to have enough back pressure in order for that call to actually have some, you know, a back hole to it to where you can whine on it. You can, you know, do a bounce on it. You can, you know, your feed call is just not running all over the place. You know, you got to have that right amount of pressure in order to have that, we always say and use the term duck. You know, that call got duck in it, a lot of duck in it. You know, we're not really, you know, it's not like saying as far as it's any any different than a you know others i guess you could say it's just that that call has a lot of duck in it sounds like a mallard hen you know it's got that voice in it i've always said voice man it's got that duck voice in it you know and and you know just touching back on what you were talking about on on fogging a window and getting hit in the stomach and so forth uh what do you say in the call i think that i say it's almost like again it's hard. I think it's the hardest thing in the world to do to explain this without, you know, being around somebody. First of all, you don't puff your cheeks. No. Keep the air tight. And it's almost like I'm putting the call, the air into the call and then trying to take it right back out. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. See, that's hard because it's almost like I'm putting it to the read, but I want to get it back out. It's like I'm trying to manipulate it. Real it's bad. almost like a bubble. You're shooting a bubble out. One <laughs> bubble, another bubble. And then you'll put bubbles together behind each other. There's yeah. bubbles coming behind each other. It's all, like, yeah, like you blow a bubble and suck the air back in yeah. and, it, and, it, and then you put another one. And then, yeah, that makes sense like that. But I still don't know if a beginner is going to hear that and go, oh, I get it. It's hard to, it's, that's why instruction's so good in person because everybody's going to take different instruction, you know, depending on right. where they're at and their duck calling or, or wild game calling. But the words I use, I don't know if I would say, if I pick up a call because it's become so secondary nature to me to pick it up and do what I do. But when I first started, you say stuff like hut, 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 H-U-T, like a hut, hut, hut. But I don't know if I really say hut. If I just pick up a call and I say hut, then feel it. I guess I'm kind of saying hut. It's hard to pronounce the H well, into yeah, a call. Yeah, you're not like saying the actual word. Hut, it's just that hut. you're then, emphasizing that. And that's what, how you teach. You don't say say hut. Cause you're not just picking up a call and saying HUD. It's almost like you're yeah, emphasizing, I guess is one word to put it, but it's more like that whisper, that out of breath whisper. Then you're pulling it back out. So it's almost like a sound instead of a word, almost like I would say like, like almost, but. Well, I told you that the other day when I blow a call, you can hear me. I actually whistle. Yeah, whistling's kind of like, yeah, so saying a word into the call, I don't know if I would try to teach somebody or explain to somebody, like, say hut into the call, because I guess in a way it works if you do it, but I would rather say, like, whistle or. I've always said oot, oot, and then take the oot away, take the word away. Again, but you're not saying anything that you're not saying right. a word. You're like, you're saying, say a word, but don't say a word. And it's just confusing to some people that it's almost like learning language. It's jargon. You know, it's almost learning the English. But as once a you language. learn how to do it, it does never leave you. I agree with that. You know, I think, yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know if, if I could answer that question. Like, what word do I say into it? I think I'm saying I'm making sounds into it more like we're blowing a bubble. And sucking the air back out of the bubble. But I'm not blowing. So I'm not blowing a bubble because I'm not blowing into the call. I'm presenting air to the call. I'm maybe sometimes vibrating my vocal cords. Like there's just different things that you do in a call. I don't want people to get the impression that you just blow a duck call because I really don't think you do. No. I really don't think you blow a saxophone. You play a saxophone. You play a duck call. It's an instrument. It is an instrument. You're playing it. And guys that are good on saxophones, I've been around guys that play, you know, have played saxophones and they are unbelievable on a duck call. Excellent. And that's what I'm saying is that there's guys that can, that, you know, if you have you just because you have a bad voice doesn't mean you don't know how to sing. The mechanics of that are there. You just don't have a, you weren't blessed with a good instrument. So you're telling me I have a chance. Yes. I'm saying you have a chance. <laughs> but you, with a duck call, mechanics are everything. 
you can sound like a duck with a, 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 a well-built designed duck call with a lot of duck built into it, like this jargon call. It's not, you're at the same level as somebody else. If you both have a jargon call, it's not like you're going up against Bruno Mars and he's got a voice and you sound the way you do and you're in a singing competition. If you know the mechanics of duck calling and air presentation and all of that, and the different parts of the body that are acquired to do that presentation of air, then you have just as much of a chance of sounding like a duck than I do, uh, sounding like a duck as I do. So there's really no excuse for somebody to be a better duck caller than somebody. It's just about becoming proficient. We all have the same instrument in our hand. We both have a duck call that can do the sounds. Now it's a matter of mechanics, right? But this duck call is important because there is a lot of authentic, authentic, authentic duck in it. It's easy to operate. It's easy to maneuver around. It's easier to put back together, easy to put back together in tune. And it, the design of the duck call is different because you're not dealing with a lot of things that you would on, on sticking air loss, air locking it, the things that, you know, make a duck call hell on you to blow or to master the sounds. Like sometimes you try to get down on a feed chatter on some calls and it sticks bad or it gets real chirpy or it gets real tinny and thin and weak and, and halt. And this is just, ducky it's ducky sounds like a duck oh, it's just like a, a lot of ducks it's just the right amount of pressure on the fee call every person that picks up a jorgen says the fee call is so easy to do that was the first thing they you know and a lot of guys what is the hardest thing to accomplish in duck calling i don't know about you but it was it was the fee call the fee call was probably the hard because it's a tongue twister you're trying to go and so it's muscle memory. Good point. Very much muscle memory. I used to go around walking around my house and go, Me too. I still do it. Yeah. I drive people Just nuts. trying to get, and I'll go, trying to get my muscle memory just, just quicker. You know, not, not to say you, you don't have to have an extreme fee chatter to kill ducks at all. But if you love duck calling, you want to constantly learn, like we were talking about the other day, about how, you know, and, and, you know, my good friend Jonathan Morton, he was telling me we were sitting in a blind, well, not in a blind, we're in a duck hole in the timber, and uh, he started doing, and I was like, man, what are you doing there? And he's like, I used to work at a mallard farm, and the mallards would get out there and they go to feeding. And when they were feeding, they would jump over on top of each other, just competing against each other when they got real hungry. And he said, as they're jumping over the top of each other, they're going, almost like they were angry, almost like they were pouting, you know, saying, you know, get off of me. I'm, I'm trying to get my food, you know. And so I was like, and I don't have it down perfect but to the T by no means. And they call it, I've known the term that people are calling it as the tree frog. You know, because it's like, kind of like a tree frog in a way, I guess you could say, if if that's the sound or the term and needs to be used to it, but I don't know. But but he was just hitting that, and the ducks, it's just another thing in the arsenal to be able to throw out to a duck and sound more realistic. You know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to do something different than the other guy, to do something different than the other blind that was up north that they've been hearing over and over again. I mean, I think we all know that – you know, everybody, that most everybody that's in a blind, that's in a field or so forth, they're always trying to feed like, you know, or they're trying to go, and it's it's become to where it's it's repetitive to a duck. So they've heard that, and they, they will associate that with danger eventually. Hey, look, you know, and then all of a sudden you get in. I mean, how many times you've been in a field and you're like, man, they were really hitting it. You ask him, you ask the guy that you just killed all the birds, your buddy or whatnot. They just killed seven limits of birds. And you're like, man, you know, man, they were reacting to a feed call today or they were reacting to a double cut. They were reacting to just a boss hen or like the other guy the other day. He told us, he said, hey, a Drake whistle and a quack is what he was killing them off of. You know, I did the other day. I was doing a flat quack. 
sounds like a gadwall. Yeah, it does sound like gadwall. But I was doing that, and they were reacting. You know, we call it a flat quack. You know, a lot of people on cut down calls, you can't really get down real low on a quack, and you can't do that on a feed call, on a, on a cut down call per se. I mean, some can, but if my buddy he said, "Man, I just do a flat quack," they were reacting to that flat quack. So having as much stuff in your arsenal to be able to throw that out there and change it up, you know, it goes the same with decoys. You know, we were talking about decoys in other podcasts about how pintail decoys. Well, there's people down in Louisiana that use blue heron decoys. This is a confidence decoy. They'll coot set decoy. it up. I use coot yeah. decoys. No. I think your brother told me that they y'all use coot decoys on a jerk string. Yep. Well, I mean, every marsh where we live has coots in it. Dave Stanley taught us that a long time ago. But you're talking about the sounds of a duck call and what they make. But what does that have to do with the way this insert shaped or the way this barrel shaped? Is that you? messing around until you get the the sound that you want out of it and you want to be a little bit different than another duck call company so this is what we designed is this what we came up with because we want to give it a an original look it doesn't look like another call i mean in a way it does all duck calls look the same in, in one way or the other but why the this does it go from wider to skinny to real wide on the barrel then a little bit wide to real skinny to to wide right before the exhaust opens up well where the hand goes basically i wanted the hand to where you had some room right there to be able to adjust it up and down like you were talking about the other day you said hey look i found out just this morning that i could move my hand down on the insert cover the hole a little more and then pop it it would pop more you know so as you coming down you'd you'd pull it to the to, to the bottom of the insert and i heard you over there And it, it does. It'll give it a different sound versus whenever you're coming up and you, you can just tell it right there. And I don't know if they could tell it over as far as the podcast, but we're always trying to throw something different out there. But that being said, that was the reason why is, is, is it being more comfortable in your hand. Um, of course, the exhaust, you know, the exhaust, this is this is a small talk right here. And the exhaust is, of course smaller i mean it's a small talk but it's smaller to where this call right here is designed for timber to where you don't have to be as loud on a cold cloudy day it can get low it can whine it's got a little more back pressure to it you can do some you know some some different stuff on the bottom end uh but on the, of course the loud mouth it has a a bigger exhaust to where you can really pop it. It's got a little less back pressure. You can lean on it. Like we were talking about that term earlier, you can lean on it a little more and not have to worry about so much finesse. You know, I told you the other day, if, if I had to choose anything, I'd, you know, I'd want to finesse over just pounding on them because I'd rather, Hey, look, you know, finishing ducks is my thing. That's just my thing. I love to see them finish. So, but going on to the barrel, the barrel has a little bit deeper it's a little bit longer and and the reason why is because it's more forgiving it's more forgiving and not to say we're not going to make a a short barrel by no means i mean a short barrel does throw out a different sound you're right up on top of the reed your response time is there and i've got some guys that you know that that like short barrels that i've had in the past but that being said this one just is that right amount of pressure uh to to for it to be more forgiving i mean we all get up we were hunting what four days by the last day we've been calling every single day we're tired we're running on two or three hours of sleep every single night and you start to get the fatigue that starts setting in well with the barrel being the way the barrel being the way it is it has that forgiveness built in to where you're not going to have to second guess the next morning if you're going to be able to blow your duck call and be able to hit that feed call or be able to hit that lonesome hen or whatnot or that comeback call, you know, on the call. There's certain – I've always had it to where on, in, in calls in the past where I pick it up and I'm like, I blew it the day before and the next day I'm like tired and wore out and I, I'm like, man, I can't do my feed call. You know, I'm, I'm really struggling on my feed. This one's got the exact right amount of length length on the actual barrel for it to give you that forgiveness. 
you know so that's you know that's kind of how we design it we wanted to kind of grasp and then of course the mouthpiece the mouthpiece is like a coke bottle and that's been known i mean that's not nothing new to the market but it's ours is kind of unique in a way you're able to you know really surround your lips around the call and be able to really pop it uh and it's comfortable it doesn't have no edges on it or whatnot that you know after a while when your your lips are chap because you've been wind burnt so many days you're not wearing your lips out on your on a blown a duck call you're telling me that our barrel is something that has more relief in it to where it lets you relax your mouth a little bit more to where you don't ten- tense up your jaw muscle and your cheek muscles as much to where your bones and your your muscles and the fatty tissues of your mouth are not having as much stress put on it because it's the exact length and diameter and bore size in there that that makes for a more comfortable and forgiving call yeah and actually the bore size i even changed a little bit on the bore size on the barrel i went down and i mean it's not much it's about ten thousandths of an inch which is not a heck of a lot you think but it makes a difference it's just a little bit smaller to where you get that response time in the barrel you can lengthen it up and i just i tinkered with it you know and and you know I guess duck hall makers, we're just maniacs when it comes to, we're always trying to improve and make it better. And, you know, man, that one, I could, that one sounds good. Or I, I changed that up. And just like the other day, I'd, I'd made one little small minute change and you come in, you're like, oh my God. I said, hey, blow this insert right here. Oh my God, you know? So, and that's on a new call that we might bring to market or whatnot. But that being said, um, you know, we're always trying to change and make it better. But I can tell you this. I mean, you know, I'm really proud of the way this one turned out. I really am. It's uh, It's got a lot of duck in it. You can lean on it, like we're talking about. You can feed chatter on the bottom end. Uh, there's not really nothing you can do. And like uh, your brother Clay the other day, you know, he was doing meh, 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 meh. And we even did a video on that, you know, as far as out in the timber. It's just everybody too sounds so different than each other you sound different i sound different and there's no duck alike well, what you want there. you work it works yeah and there's no duck alike it's been working here in arkansas like there's no tomorrow we broke a lot of ducks down and i'm not saying that we're the only ones that do it we're not no. the best by any means but it's fun and it makes the hunt that much better and stronger and more legitimacy added to it when you are communicating with a wild animal and speaking their language, that vocabulary, the jargon. So it all goes together, the design, the theme of the company, the branding, and we haven't even gotten into what our plans are for marketing and a, a pro team and, and guys that the response that we've gotten so far is amazing. And I want to do more podcasts about, you know, selecting a duck call, single read versus double read. What is the true definition of a, of a cut down call? What is a cut down call? Why do people in the timber love them and cherish them as opposed to a regular style J frame or a duck call that might not have the same exhaust or that's a traditional duck call? What is it cut down? What, why a short barrel? Is it because of the length of the barrel, the reed get the air getting to that reed that much faster? So it's, it's gotta be, you gotta be, it's going to be way more responsive, but you have to be a little bit better of a controller and duck call operator to blow yeah. a short barrel. I want to get into all of that, but I just wanted to introduce people to the brand and what our ideology behind the brand was and the theme and and the design of the call and and how ducky these calls are. We have a lot of sound files on our Instagram, Jargon Game Calls. We have um, our Facebook page. We have our website, jargongamecalls.com. I'm proud of them. I'm proud to be your partner. We're excited about them. You saw Clay here. You saw Eric Landmark here. Tom Rashashin is our partner. Him taking photos of them and the video you're getting of them. Marty's reaction to them. Brandon's reaction. All the college kids that we hunted with from, from University of Arkansas and the Razorbacks. It, p- people love them. They're into it. And I want to build a community i want our community our jargon to be there i want it duck calls to you know mount up you know like posse mount up like i want people to get into this and understand what it means to be a duck hunter and how humble we are to do it and that we're you know that the entitlement part of it's out the window with jargon we're blessed to do this when people pick up our call and send us pictures of it with a strap of ducks or a trophy we got a competition call we're in the midst of designing right now with one of the most legit competition callers in the country right now so a lot of big things coming a lot of excitement a lot of momentum that snowball effect is starting to take place and i'm jacked up man i can't wait to put our marketing plan together for 2019 and and really have our hard launch then you know we've done a soft launch right now for duck season 2018-19 but things are rolling people are responding to the company chris because mainly the sound and the response they're getting out of the call 
Second, I think that they're really into this theme of jargon and what it means to be a duck hunter and how prideful we are and that it's not going away. So I want to talk about that more on future podcasts. Let's wrap this one up. I know that we have to get to dinner tonight in Searcy, Arkansas. I love Arkansas. It's the land of duck hunting. It's the land of the duck hunter. It's the land of the duck call. Jargon game calls for Chris Cifrio, my badass duck call design and partner. You've heard him here before with Bosch Drives. He can do anything machine-wise. His brother, Darren, thank you for all your genius effort with the CAD programming and the design of these duck calls. For Chris Cifrio, Jargon Game Calls, I'm Chad Belding. This life ain't for everybody. We will be back at you soon with part two of Chris Cifrio and Jargon Game Calls. Tom, go ahead and hit that button on Leith Lofton. Haas, what you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you. life owners won't last that long. What you going to do? Money's all gone.